Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You're listening to The Contest and Me, a podcast from the Euro Trip. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The Contest and Me, a podcast from us here at the Eurotrip podcast. I'm Rob, lovely to be with you as always and as ever. Joined, although unfortunately not in the same room as we were last week, by my learned colleague and co-host. Hello Mr James Rowe. Hi Rob, hi everyone. Yeah, good to be back for another episode. As you say, shame not to be uh, with you in person. Although, as I said last week, when we record virtually, I do have the pleasure of just clicking on a different tab or just closing the lid of my laptop. So (laughs) I I can sort of look away from you if I need to. (laughs) I was going to say my favourite part of all of that, very much not my favourite part of all that, James did actually close the lid of his laptop (laughs) while he was doing that, just to illustrate the point that he could. But it just meant that where the webcam ended up, it was just your crotch for a couple of seconds. (laughs) I didn't didn't need that. that. I was looking at my own screen when I saw it I thought oh that was a big mistake anyway let's move on (laughs) didn't need that um you might not know from what you've just heard so far uh, this is a Eurovision podcast we're here every single Wednesday with the very latest from the world of Eurovision some of the biggest guests and a lot of fun along the way but for a few weeks over the summer and what now very much feels like autumn we do a series here on the podcast called The Contest in Me, where we talk to some of the biggest names from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, all about why they love Eurovision. We've heard from some brilliant guests so far already on the series. And James, we've got another. We certainly do. We had Anders Retov on last week, who is a Melfest winning songwriter. Well, this week, we've got another songwriter and another songwriter from Sweden. It is Linnea Deb. She is a Eurovision winning songwriter. She won with Mons back in 2015 as and has written a whole host more of your favourite Melfest and Eurovision hits. There is one in particular that I'm looking forward to hearing more about. I think you probably know which one it is. But we've got all that and more still to come. Yes, plenty more to come on all of that. We'll be chatting to Linnea Deb all about her love of Eurovision and uh, her songwriting career. Uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but before we do, uh, a couple of little bits to to update you on. There's a, uh, some stories that have been coming through in the world of Eurovision, uh, but can we quickly kick off with a self-indul- <laughs> self-indulgent one, uh, if we may, because we've got a little bit of news as well. We certainly do. Easy for you to say, or apparently mm. not. Hopefully the judges aren't <laughs> listening to that. Yeah, we have been nominated for an independent podcast award. Isn't that exciting? Very, very exciting. Yeah, we got that news uh, last week, at the end of the week, uh, we've been nominated in the art and culture category, <laughs> believe it or not. 
Which do you not think makes us seem significantly more highbrow than we actually are? <laughs> like, I wouldn't consider that we discuss arts and culture on a weekly basis, but it turns out that we do. Culture spans many different avenues, and, and, and one of those avenues, we are down. I don't know how many others live on the same avenue as us, but uh, we, we're certainly down that one. <laughs> well, very pleased to have turned right and headed down that avenue for the last three years here on the podcast. And yeah, it's brilliant recognition for, well, as you said, James, is very self-indulgent, as I apparently also can't say the word <laughs> self-indulgent. Brilliant recognition for everything that we do, because, I mean... Hopefully, all of you listening to this realise that me and Jim has put an extraordinary amount of time into this podcast, but we do so because we love it. We do so because we enjoy it. We do so because we know that you enjoy it as well. So it's nice that someone has had a listen to this, what we do, and thought, that's all right, that, you know. So thank you to the judges. And um, yeah, wish us luck on the 30th of October. So not too long to wait, just over a month to wait until we find out whether we'll be the winners, but uh, some brilliant other categories nominated alongside us in that category as well. So uh, yeah, just be just be a nice night out, won't it, more than anything else? It will indeed. And yeah, we should say as well, you probably did, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. A big thanks to everyone who listens week in, week out. We've done this podcast for, for over three years now um, and it keeps us busy, maybe a little bit too busy <laughs> for, for other people in our lives. Uh, but we love to bring you this podcast every week uh, to keep you up to date with Eurovision stuff. And yeah, it's just a thrill and it's lovely to be recognised like that. Yes, thank you to all of you who listen. Obviously, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, we literally wouldn't do it without you either. There'd be no <laughs> point. So thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to everyone as well who sent uh, sent your best wishes when we were uh, posting about our nomination a few days ago. But uh, yeah, as you said, keeps us out of the house. Or it doesn't actually keep us in the house, really, when we're recording <laughs> these, as the case may be. But it keeps us out of trouble. So yeah, brilliant to receive that recognition and uh, wish us luck, as I already said. But James, talking of this is... This is tangential, so stick with me. Speaking of awards ceremonies, awards ceremonies often happen in Monaco. And we got some Monaco-based news, or some Monegasque-based news last week. Right. Can you give me... Just, I'll only take one award ceremony that takes place in Monaco. Hit me. The Formula One end-of-season presentation dinner <laughs> takes place in Monaco. Does it? That's it? It might have done. Is it Monaco or is it Paris? It might be Paris. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> the Ballon d'Or, the the football awards, where they award the best male and female footballer of the year, that takes place in Monaco. So there you Lovely. go. Lovely. Okay. Well, I'll accept it then. Yeah, you said that there's been some news about Monaco. This is in relation to their participation in the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't it just? Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it just isn't it just indeed yes absolutely so obviously we found out the news i think was it earlier this year that monaco were getting a new tv station basically they were going to get a new broadcaster and everybody thought well this is a perfect avenue for them to return to the eurovision song contest however unfortunately james they have confirmed that they won't be taking part in 2024 so next year and they also won't be taking part in 2025. I'm sure they just added that to the press release so that people wouldn't ask the question for the next, like, 18 months. <laughs> yeah, they've sort of put that uh, rumour to bed. So, yeah, it's a shame. Um, I think a lot of people would love to see Monaco back. Of course, it would be with a different broadcaster, so it obviously might bring a different mentality. And it's been a long, long time, hasn't it? You know, in the, the mid-noughties, the last time Monaco were in. So, you know, the contest has, has evolved quite a bit. So, yeah, 
maybe a shame not to see them come back. But of course, we do have uh, Luxembourg coming back next year, North Macedonia after a year out are coming back. So we have some returnees nonetheless. And I should say as well that me and James have spoken about it a few weeks ago, and hopefully we will do it. We want to do an episode focusing in on the countries that may return to the Eurovision Song Contest in the not-too-distant future. So, yeah, stick around. That podcast will hopefully appear in your feeds at some point over the next few months, because it's something we definitely want to do, and hopefully we can bring it back very soon. You're listening to The Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. Right then, we're going to get to Linnea Deb, Eurovision winning songwriter, in just a moment. Uh, before we do, should we have a quick look back at last week? We were chatting to um, to Anders Retov. He's another Swedish songwriter. Great to chat to him in depth. He gave us so, so much insight into uh, his love of Eurovision and, and how many times he's worked on the contest and how many songs he's had in the contest uh, and in Melfest. And naturally, the, uh, the, the the televote and jury debate came up again. It's been rumbling on since since May uh, when Lorene won the jury vote and then Caria won the televote. And it's still a big um, topic of conversation, shall we say. I think that's a, I think that's a, a polite way of putting it. I think, um, it. I think it is, yeah. And it's not going to stop being a topic of conversation for a while yet. I think we saw, didn't we, again, some more stuff that was happening last week. A lot of the heads of delegation and, and deputy heads of delegation, they were all meeting up, weren't they, at a, a meeting of the EBU in Berlin. Mm. And I believe one of the things on the agenda for the Eurovision Reference Group was indeed that televote, jury vote split. And then there was a cryptic post on his Instagram story by the Norwegian head of delegation. And it said something along the lines of mission accomplished. And remember that he was very keen to see a 30% jury vote, 70% televote split. So read into that what you will. He may have been talking about something completely different, but the uh, the timing of it was interesting, to say the least. Mm. Is he just stirring the pot? <laughs> is, a, is a question. Because I, I can't imagine uh, that at a... I think it was a steering group meeting or, or something. Um, it wasn't the, the reference group who sort of make the changes to Eurovision. So I can't imagine he could have tabled a motion and they changed the rules there and then. So potentially he might have raised the point and then it gets taken to the reference group. I can't imagine a change has been made in, in one day. Thank you for uh, putting me right. And I got my steering group and my reference group confused there. <laughs> Apologies. Apparently this podcast has now become very corporate. But then that's what happens when you discuss arts and culture on a weekly basis, James. <laughs> I should say thank you very much to uh, Katerina, who has been in touch on the email, by the way. You can do the same. Hello at yourtrippodcast.com. Uh, Katerina did get in touch about last week's episode. And she said... Great fun listening to the contest in me with all you young peeps who discovered the contest in the 2000s. I was born in 1971, and in 1978, I was allowed to be up late watching Eurovision, and I called the winner. So seven-year-old Katerina called the winner of the 1978 Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, She then goes on to say... After that, I recorded every contest with my cassette player, listened to all the songs, learning them by heart. Eurovision is definitely the reason why I loved learning languages at school. And then she goes on to say, and in 2013, when Eurovision was in Malmo, at home in Sweden, so Katarina's Swedish, she said, I realised that I'm now an adult with money. So I went to my first live contest and there's no going back from there. Love the contest and everything about it. Thanks for a great pod. 
Thank you, Katerina. Uh, Katerina's full name, I think this is your full name, Katerina, Katerina Johansson-Sand. I don't know if she's related to Jon Oller in any way. <laughs> From across the bridge in Denmark. Oh, uh, no, no, he's Norwegian, isn't he? Yeah, he's not Danish, he's um, Norwegian. Uh, yeah, I do wonder. Katerina, let us know, are you related to Jon Oller-Sand? If you have any other messages, or indeed are related to any other executive supervisors of the original <laughs> Song Contest, are you Martin Osterdahl's second cousin? Do get in touch. Hello at yourtrippodcast.com on the email. But you can also get in touch with anything you're about to hear on today's episode of The Contest to Me, because the interview is on the way in just a tick. You can do that on Twitter, at yourtrippodcast. We're also at yourtrippodcast on Instagram as well. We're also on threads. And there's the email that I've already mentioned as well. Yes, indeed. Love to hear from you if you've got anything to say. Uh, now then, let's get to Linnea Deb. We've mentioned her name enough, and it's probably about time we actually hear from her because she's our latest guest on The Contest and Me, where we ask each guest every single week all the same questions to find out all about their love of Eurovision, how they fell in love with it, and just basically how it has weaved its way through their life. Now, a recap of the songs that uh, Linnea Deb has been responsible for at the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, her first entry in Eurovision was writing the Swedish entry, You, for Robin Stellenberg on Home Soil. Last time the contest was in Malmo, of course, in 2013. So we've almost come full circle. Uh, Heroes, of course, the Eurovision winner for Mons in 2015. Uh, she also wrote Monsters for Sara Alto and Finland in 2018. Uh, yes, for Ben and Tan, the contest that never happened in 2020 for Denmark. And then she also wrote alongside last week's guest, Anders Retoff. She also wrote Voices for Tusa in uh, Rotterdam in 2021. And also in 2021, and I'm fascinated to hear more about this, James, she wrote Adrenalina for San Marino. <laughs> yes, along with about 100 other people. I think I might be wrong with this. I'm going to say it anyway, and we'll see if it's true. I think that is the Eurovision song with the most songwriters on a single song. Pretty sure that's right. Think uh, you're right. Yes, we will cover that with Linnea. We'll also chat about a story that was sort of doing the rounds in, in March, early this year, when a lot of people were talking about how we always seem to get the same songwriters in Melfest. Well, I put that to her to see what she's got to say on the matter. And are we going to have a song written by Linnea uh, that represents the UK at Eurovision? Well, I ask her that very question as well. So we've got loads to go through. So shall we get to it? This is Linnea Deb on The Contest and Me. Linnea Deb, welcome to the Eurotrips The Contest and Me. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. It's great to have you back because it's been a long time since you were last on the podcast. We spoke to you during Melfest 2021. So that's a long time ago. You've you've done a lot since then. You've written a lot of music. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time, but I'm back. Yeah, exactly, you're <laughs> back, which is the best thing. Uh, we've got loads of questions to go through. Uh, shall we talk about Eurovision 2023 to begin with? You being a Swede, Sweden loves Eurovision. Sweden loves Melody Festival, and of course. This is always a huge part of, of people's lives in Sweden, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's such a big event. It's almost like, uh, what's, the call, what's that called? Uh, Europe, uh, American, uh, like Super Bowl uh, event. It's that big, actually. And and also, you were quite close to not watching it at home because Melfest this year, you had a few songs in the competition. Just pipped to the post by Lorene. You were one of the songwriters for, for Marcus Martinez, right? They came second in the end. Yeah, I know. But we all knew she was going <laughs> to win. <laughs> yeah. 
That's so funny. We were chatting to Anders Retov on the podcast last yeah. week, and he had some songs in the competition as well. And he said the same mm. thing. He said, although I was a songwriter for other songs, we all kind of knew Lorene was going to win. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just meant to be. Let's rewind the clock to your very first Eurovision memory. For some people, it's really easy. It just like comes to them straight away. What's it like for you? Does your first ever Eurovision memory uh, come to mind quite quickly? Yeah, I think it was when uh, Carola did uh, Främling. Was it 82, 83, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she, was, she was 16 and I was just, uh, I was instantly the biggest fan of her and Eurovision. And since that, I've been like a hooked fan. What do you think it is about seeing somebody like Carola on the Melfest, on the, on the Eurovision stage that captured your imagination? I think it was her being not so well known in Sweden. She got the chance to reach out to so many people and she was just a star from the beginning. She just had the it factor. Yeah, it was just a, you know, big musical event, a competition in music. It was such a big thing for me uh, as a as a child who grew up with a mother doing musicals and uh, all my life was just music. So that was my opener for me like, what you can compete with music? wow, what is this? And then they're just hooked. <laughs> That's the funny thing, isn't it? Because typically you don't compete with music. You know, music's for people to enjoy and to, to listen to. So when you were young and seeing that, that's a whole new thing, isn't it? Totally new thing. Yeah, I, I've been at, we, we know of competitions, of course, like um, in Sweden, we do have smaller competitions like that, but like this big event showing all Europe, uh, songs from all the countries uh, that's just uh, an amazing thing that brings people together too you know and then after seeing Carola in mm. Eurovision did Eurovision then become a, a bigger part of your life did you then you know the next year you were like I can't wait for it to come around I can't wait to see Melfest again next year does it become quite big quite quickly yeah super quickly and I just uh, b- because I was such a big fan of her that was kind of my, uh, I didn't know it back then. Uh, I loved her so much uh, and what she does and did. So one of my dreams were to work with her in any way in the future. And I did also. I, I went on tour with her when she did the uh, yeah, Was that in English? Yeah, it was Invincible English, yeah. in English. Yeah, Invincible. Yeah, thank you. So I went on her Invincible tour as a backing vocalist. And that was just a, you know, full circle moment for me. I was going to say, something ticked off the bucket list for you. Check. What's she like to work with? Very quickly, tell us what she's like <laughs> to work with. Because is she, oh. is she, the, is she the diva that she, she, she comes across like she is on TV? Is she a bit of a diva to work with? Absolutely. <laughs> in a positive, <laughs> in a positive, good way, though. Uh, she is the only diva that Sweden has. Maybe her and Lorian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she just, uh, she's amazing to work with. Uh, she really has you tipping on your toes, you know. Uh, she watches every move of everyone involved and she's very picky, you know, and you, you can never relax. I'm not surprised. It looks like that on no. TV. I'm not surprised that's what it's like in real life. <laughs> no, no, no. She, she's the sweetest person ever, yeah. Uh, shall we then try and figure out the moment you fell in love with Eurovision? Maybe it was the same time. Maybe it was seeing Carola and it was the same thing. But do you think there was something maybe a year later or a few years later where you thought, 
Do you know what? I really love Eurovision. I really love Melfest, of course, as well. Maybe when she did it, when she won with the Formula One Stormwind, uh, Formula One Stormwind, and what was that sung in Swedish or English? Yeah, she sung it in I Swedish, but I think there was a, yeah. a weird thing when she won Eurovision in 91 with it. She then performed yeah. it in English in like the reprise after the competition. Okay, yeah, well, well, that's the moment I think I, I was like, okay, I'm down doing this. Boom. And again, you know, it's that that Corolla effect, isn't it? We just mentioned she's a superstar, she's a diva, mm. and then to see her, you know, a- again at Eurovision to then win, of course, in 1991. Does that just make the whole thing even bigger than it was for you in the 80s? It was just her being a Swedish girl from nowhere, just making it big. I think that was the thing about it. And also, of course, the different languages and, and, and the party part of it. You know, it's a big fest that everyone just can join and be whoever they are and just love the music. At what point do you then start to feel inspired to go into songwriting and, and that sort of thing? Is, is it Corolla in 1991? Is it something else? Where does that inspiration for you start to come from? I think it started when I was very little. I think maybe Carola was that inspiration in a way uh, because uh, I have videos from um, 83, 84 where my mom recorded me doing like I did my own Melody Festival singing <laughs> different songs that I just came up with <laughs> in very funny clothes. But uh, I think um, I was just in it for the from the beginning. Like uh, and songwriting wise, I thought maybe in a, for a long time I thought I I would be an artist myself, but then, um, but then I realized, like, you know, no, that stress and all that uh, responsibility you have, I'm better off as a songwriter. So <laughs> <laughs> it's better being in the background like this. Oh, oh, it went. Oh, it went well. Good, good, good. Yes. <laughs> or, or just... either doing the songwriting or doing some backing vocals, which, of course, you mentioned there. You done some backing vocals for for Corolla as well, yeah. and also. Yeah. Something I feel like I should have known beforehand, but I only found out just a couple of days ago that you did backing yeah. vocals for, for Mons at Eurovision 2015 when he won. How did I not know that before? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, people aren't that interested in like who did the backing vocals, who, I don't know. I, I think it's all about the big star, maybe. Maybe that's why. Perhaps, perhaps. I feel like I should have known it. Maybe. I feel like I, I should have done. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? I feel like we might touch on 2015 a little bit later, but tell us a little bit yeah, about yeah. it. How, how did you doing backing vocals come about? Because, of course, you wrote the song uh, for Mons that yeah. year, didn't you? Yeah, I did. But I didn't. I, I don't think I did it in Sweden, or did I? I did it in Sweden, too, actually, uh, the backing vocals. And uh, in Sweden, we were, or did I? Actually, I feel so bad right now. You've done so many things remember. that you just can't remember everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a great experience. A lot of work. You have to do a lot of uh, representation everywhere and uh, just um, be there for uh, your artist in another way than just being a, a you know songwriter. 
So it was fun, but a lot of work and, and, and super fun, of course. Is it something that you'd like to do again? I don't think you've done much of that since then for, for Melfest or Eurovision. Yeah. Did you do that again? Yeah, I've done it a lot of times in Sweden, actually. Um, but I've um, come to the realization that I think, you know, I, I get so nervous in every song I have. I feel so nervous that uh, I just I just want to be there for the uh, artist in the green room, you know, uh, and uh, running back and forth uh, doing two jobs <laughs> i want to sit on you know one chair just being a songwriter we're never going to have a linear deb solo artist you're never going to enter a song into melfest for yourself Mm-mm-mm. no not in a million years <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you'll have to pay me a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> oh shall we uh try and figure out what your favorite ever eurovision year is now this could be a year that you had a song in the competition or it could be a particular mm-hmm. year that you liked just watching at home on TV. Is there a year that really stands out for you? Yeah. I don't know the year, but when the country divorced won. So I think that was a, 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 a thank you very much. It was <laughs> a great statement in so many ways. And also I think the show was so well done by Denmark. It was such a great show. Now, I think this was a year you didn't have any songs in the competition that year. So again, this was probably one you were you were at home with the family, watching on TV, having a bit of a party, I guess. Yeah, exactly. What did Sweden have that year? That would have been Sanna Nielsen, Undo. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You're so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was at home with my family, with Joy, I think, uh, just watching it and cheering on. What do you think it is about Conchita then that that really stands out you know I've I've been really lucky to chat to so many people who have done Eurovision and, and been involved and so many of them always pick out Conchita as a huge moment yeah. for Eurovision it's a really strong song what was it for you that stands out it was good it was good for real because there are a lot of um, um, transgender people who uh, m- mimics or you know things but makes it funny or but this was real and it was just a person who is such a great artist with a great song that a friend of mine wrote and um it was just a super super great experience and beautiful super beautiful that you know it doesn't matter who you are what you are or where you're from or what you love who you love or whatever it's just a matter of feelings i think it was beautiful to me. You'll have to remind us. I don't know off the top of my head. Who's who's the songwriter that, that you know who, who wrote the song? Is that a good friend? Ch- Charlie Mason. Ah, okay. So so tell so tell us about Charlie, because I think Charlie is is very well known, has written a, a, a lot of songs that, that people will know yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, He's out with... of the radar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you worked you worked with Charlie before? You you must know him very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to work with him a lot, uh like in the early like 2007 till maybe 12. Uh, we used him a lot with lyrics. I think he's such a great uh, lyricist and a super nice person. I met him a lot of times in New York where he, where he lives. Uh, he's just a sweetheart. And, and, you know, like you, like so many of the others in that little circle, has written many Eurovision songs. I implore anybody who doesn't know Charlie's name to go and looking up because he's written some of probably everyone's favourite Eurovision songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And he's so humble too. He doesn't brag. He doesn't, he didn't go out on his Facebook like, yeah, I won. What the, f-? you know, uh, he's just so humble and uh, stays true to just who he is without bragging or anything. Well, since we're talking about songs and music, shall I ask you, mm. now as a songwriter, yes. this is going to be a horrible question. I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> but it might be difficult. Okay. What is your favorite ever Eurovision song? Arcade, period. That easy? Ar- Arcade, yes, yes, yes. Over and over. That is a song that I keep coming back to. Like, I can't stop listening to it. I think it's a masterpiece. And I think he is a great singer and the performance was just beautiful. I'm amazed you gave me an answer so quickly. So many other people take so long to think of what the right answer is. But for you, Linnea, it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. instant. Yeah, I, I think it's a song that lives, uh, that could live for so long. You know, a lot of songs are just in the moment, like 2020 or this was the sound of 2009. This is, a, I think, a, like an evergreen song. As a songwriter, do you think you listen to songs differently to, you know, me or just somebody else who just likes listening to music? Do you think you have an ear for something and you really pick up on things that normal people like me wouldn't? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. That is a (laughs) blessing and a curse because, yes, I, what do you call it? I go into details that are really not necessary, but I do it. (laughs) because this is my work, my job, and that can be a curse too. Um, but also I, I can like really quickly catch up on things that maybe other people don't. Um, there are many great songs that don't do well in the Eurovision that I feel should have had a better chance maybe because of my um, ability to hear things like that maybe. Yeah, it makes sense though. Uh, but it must be hard sometimes. You want to just put the radio on and, and listen to some music and you, your mind is constantly going, okay, well, if they'd done this with the track, it might have been better or if they'd done that. And it must be hard yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't listen a lot to music when I'm at home. When I go home from the studio, I don't want to listen to music at all. I just shut it out and uh, rest my head because <laughs> otherwise I would be crazy, I think. I'd go <laughs> crazy. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Shall I? I'm going to try and twist this question a little bit, just so we can have okay. a chat about some of the the Eurovision songs that you've had. You've had many songs, different genres. Is it hard to choose a favorite from those? No, not at all. Um, I think "You" is my favorite because it was such a big moment for me as a songwriter. I could finally um, lean back on just writing music. You know, it, it was a the biggest moment for me actually bigger than uh, winning the whole thing uh, and i still love uh, you and robin Crown by so much because of that it was all because of him oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh no that that is the biggest song for me personally but of course heroes uh, won in 2015 but i think um can't compare because that was a moment where i felt like oh I can quit my job. I can just sit down in the studio every day now from now on and just write music and do what I would love to do. 
so in 2013, were you still, did you, did you still have a normal job when, when you were a songwriter and then you won Melfest? Um, yeah, kind of. I was working part-time. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, so this moment changed your life. It was only the yeah. second song you had in Melfest ever. It won, yeah. it went to Eurovision, and it totally changed your life. Changed my life forever, yeah. It was like, also, you know, when you, when you live in a small country like Sweden, everyone is a songwriter. <laughs> everyone has a studio in their basement or at home. So when you talk to other people, it's not, you know, people don't know it, even though I had uh, done a lot of work before that and a lot of songs, then, you know, nobody knows who you are until that's just a thing. And so, uh, yeah, and then I got recognized for it too. So that was a big moment. And what is it about Melfest that keeps bringing you back year after year? Is it just the joy of being able to be in those arenas with the artists, the fans? Is it the joy of hopefully trying to win? Like, what is it that brings you back year after year? It's the money. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really joking because uh, we all know that music don't make that much money nowadays. No, it's it is about the com- community, all the people around all the artists, uh, the people backstage. Uh, you know, it used to be Christa Björkman and his team. Now it's Karin Gunnarsson and her team. They're all so uh, loving and caring, and it's just going. It's it's like you know. A reunion every year like your kindergarten people meeting again and uh, it's it's about the community for me i think that's something we've seen isn't it over the last few years where a lot of the time we get songs that are you know written by you and anders retdov and thomas gearson uh jimmy joger in, in recent years he's written a, a lot of songs i'd love to get your thoughts on on that because last year or early this year there was a lot of criticism that a lot of the songs were written by you know some of the the, the same, same people songwriters what are your thoughts on that yeah well um uh, i think a lot of people that are bitter about that maybe they send in one song two songs maybe but what we do i mean gia song uh, jimmy turnfeld the joker uh anders Friatov, we do work the melody festival and songs and the eurovision songs almost all day all year long this is almost like a full-time job. Uh, we put all of our lives in it. And um, so it's not strange that we might have one or two or three songs in it because this is our full-time job in a way. Uh, we do also do other songs for other things, of course, but we do have this passion for it. And um, it would be also weird if uh, the jury and the the Swedish uh, SPT would say no to songs just because, oh, she already has a song in it and we need other people to come in. I mean, in the end, it's about the song. It is about, it's a song contest. It's not a artist contest or songwriter contest. So it's a song contest. And uh, in the end, yeah, it's about the song and the best song wins. That's all it's about. You must have been busy over the summer. This is sort of when uh, when it started to hot up. But I mentioned we chatted to Anders Retov last week and he says the summer has been busy. He's been in the studio a lot with some musicians and other songwriters. Yeah. How much yeah. can you tell us? Have you been in the studio quite a lot? Uh, honestly, uh, I worked a lot with uh, Joy 
uh, Deb, my ex-husband, and uh, Jimmy Joker, we do have a great functioning team. And uh, we were all on uh, vacation this summer in different like times. <laughs> so we struggled this year. Uh, but we uh, started maybe in, we had a few ideas, of course, uh, talked a lot. But uh, I think we started in the beginning of August. And since then, it's been crazy. Really, really crazy. <laughs> uh, we've been working until three, at least me. I've been working until three every night and then going back home, getting the kids to school, up again in the studio, new ideas, you know. And every song you do is not the best song. You just have to keep grinding. And yeah, it's been a stressful but very uh, interesting and fun summer. And you you can't tell me any of the artists you've been potentially writing Oh, music yeah, for. I can tell you all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's also a thing. You know, it's very hush-hush. And, uh, uh, and also, it's it, to be honest, it's a competition before it's even a competition because uh, there are only so many um, artists that are interesting, to be honest. So we do compete over the artists. I mean, and, and it's the same thing there. I mean, the best thing, song wins. It's not a, you know, you're competing with super talented uh, writers. So that is also a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know, are you more, are you more lyrics? Are you more music? What's, what's the, the thing you have most of the control over when you write music? I think that would depend on who you ask, because if I'm in a session with uh, maybe an artist that isn't that used to writing and just a producer, then I do both. I do melodies and lyrics. Uh, if I'm in a session with someone who is brilliant in melodies, then it might happen I do lyrics only. But um, I do both. I do both melody and lyrics. You mentioned working with Joy, your ex-husband. You still work yeah. with him. What's that dynamic like? Does that still work as like a, a working dynamic? This is so funny. When we were married, everyone was like, oh my God, goals, goals. We work <laughs> together and have kids and are married. How is that possible? But then maybe, uh, you know, it was a transition. We uh, had a divorce uh, and uh, it's just turned into like a, we're more of a, like siblings right now. I, I love him to death and he loves me and we just, I think we're better off being partners in music, maybe. But we do have a super great um, communication with, I mean, especially in music, but with family life and everything. So it's just, it, it's not, it's not, it hasn't been easy. I mean, any, every breakup is hard, but I think, uh, I think it's the, uh, in the end, it's the uh, love for music that, you know, for music and for him, I I will always love Joy, uh, and um, yeah. So so I mean, I will never, you know. Every time I get a like a like a proposal, pro- proposal. What do you say? Like proposal, a, proposal. Yeah. Propos- proposal. Proposal. <laughs> Sounds like marriage. But yeah, from someone like, oh, can you work with this? And do you know any producer? I mean, he's the first guy I go to because he is so good, and uh, he's always going to be number one for me musically. We're so glad that still works mm-hmm. because if it didn't, we wouldn't have had so many amazing songs over the last few years. I mean, and we're still goals, <laughs> just different, just different goals. <laughs> <laughs> and also, 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 you know, uh, I am best friends with his new partner, and he's best friends with my new partner, and my new partner. 
Andreas, he wrote uh, Smashing to Pieces with me and Joy, and we work together all the time. So it's all peaches and... Uh, Peaches yeah. and cream. This is one thing I actually wanted to ask about as well, because I remember earlier this year in Melfest, I remember seeing you and Joy and your new partner in the green room together. And I thought, is that not awkward? But clearly it's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It would be awkward if we married me and if, if me and Andreas took Deb and then I took his name also like uh, Jaya Sequeira and they would present us like Joy Deb, Linnea Deb, Jaya Sequeira and Andreas <laughs> Jaya Sequeira Deb. That would be crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, what is it? Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> Only in the Swedish songwriting community that would ever happen. Uh, Linnea, <laughs> uh, I want to ask you very quickly about one more song and then we'll get back to the, the main questions, which is Adrenalina. You wrote that for Senate for, uh, for San Marino in 2021, but also Flowrider then gets an appearance. Tell us how that happened, what it was like. We, we want to know. I, I don't know anything about this. I want to know everything. Well, um, Senate heard the song and she just loved it. Um, and um, so she recorded it. And you know, some you know they have their tricks, I guess. <laughs> Somehow, and to be honest, I don't know. Somehow, Flowrider heard it and he just loved it. And then he was in it. And I never thought in my wildest dream that he would go into and, and do it, perform it live, Eurovision. But I think also that is great for Eurovision because, you know, there are people who think it's a bit cheesy and things like that. Yeah. So I think it was just a, a great statement for him, from him, from his side too. Like, okay, this is a great thing for anyone. When will you ever have like millions of viewers? When will you ever have like a, um, what do you say when you have a new song and you're gonna go out in some place and play it for the first time whenever do you do that for millions of people so it's a great uh, thing to do so i kudos to him it's so cool did you actually get to meet him or, or were you were you allowed to go to rotterdam were you in the green room or were you at home no 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 i, I wasn't in rotterdam at that year no actually i wasn't but that's okay. You can still see it. You've still got a songwriting credit for, for Flowrider. It's still like a, another tick off the list, isn't it? Yep. Let's do uh, another one of the main questions then, which is your most memorable Eurovision moment. Just one thing that really stands out. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's a certain song you've written or something that mm. happened in a songwriting camp. Something related to Eurovision that really stands out as your favourite ever moment. Okay, yeah, it must have been uh, when we uh, <laughs> won with Heroes and uh, we all went on, up on stage with uh, Mons for his last performance of the song. And I remember everyone expected me and Anton and uh, Joy to come to the press conference. But we all felt like, you know, that's his moment to shine and we just wanted to go back to the hotel and meet our family and celebrate with them. Um, that was a choice that we made. And I still, to this day, am very happy about that. My, my both, both of my sisters were, uh, I have three sisters actually, but uh, two of my sisters were back at the hotel and we just went to my room and um, celebrated there. It's, it's funny because you said earlier that, you know, as a songwriter, you kind of like to be out of the limelight, behind the scenes. Mm. And that moment mm. just shows, you know, you wanted Mons to have that moment and you could have your own yeah. sort of private moment with family and friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the win was his 
and and of course we were super happy. I, I, uh, we were so so happy. I can't you know I can't remember uh, exactly the the feeling when we won. I just I, I've seen it play play back for me, but no, it, for me it was just um, meeting my family. So Lanier, two main questions left. We're going to go into a question about the UK. Now we've seen the UK go on a bit of a roller coaster over the last couple of years. What yeah. do they need to do to get back to the left-hand side of the leaderboard, back to the top, and perform well again? As a songwriter, what do you think they need to do? I mean, you have to take it seriously for once. Um, for one, maybe. Um, I think what Sam, what you did with Sam Ryder and Spaceman, that is what uh, the UK should do every year. Like, take it seriously. Make a good song that could win, um, because I know that I, what I feel is like um, people in England think it's cheesy. But I mean, look at Arcade, look at Spaceman. That is real great handicraft. And um, if 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 you would take it seriously, then you have a chance. I, I mentioned to you before that we spoke to Anders last week. Yeah, and he said when he heard. I wrote a song by May Muller, who represented the UK earlier yeah. this year. He said when he yeah. heard that song, he thought, this is a great song, works well on the radio. But he said as soon as he heard it, he knew it wouldn't work well on stage. As a songwriter, can you notice that? Can you hear a song and think it works well, uh, you know, on streaming platforms or on the radio, but it's difficult to translate on the stage? Yeah, I struggle with that as a songwriter, actually, uh, because... I do understand that you need to like when we write music, sometimes we just take up a, like a music video from an existing artist just to hear the music to that video to make it because when you write a song, it's got to be it's got to be a bit movie like it's got to be performance, a performance uh, song. It can't be like any generic uh, pop song. It can, but you have to have those big moments you have to go dynamically it's got to be like a roller coaster ride or it's got to be something really really great if it's generic it's got to be the best song ever but i think it's it's about actually it's about making the viewer wanting to go into that world like it's a, it's a, you got to present a world for that artist like this is the world this is the song vote so that's very important uh, and I struggle a lot with that. I, 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 that's what I. That, that, that's like my main thing when I write a song. It's got to be. And sometimes you have to like, okay, do I have to make the best uh, lyrics on earth? No, maybe you can make lyrics that are understandable for people that do not speak English as a native, you know, uh, language. Maybe it's more of more about just that world, you know. Would you write a song for for the UK? Absolutely. Hit me up. I was going to say, because that's the thing, you know, you and so many other Swedish songwriters do so much in Sweden and Melfest, but we've seen, yeah. you know, some of some of your other friends and, and you've written for, you know, for other countries and that sort of thing. It would be, it would be wise, some might say, for countries who don't perform too well to be knocking on your yeah. door or to knock on Anders' door and say, we we need your help or we'd like some support couldn't agree more yeah but sometimes you know uh that is difficult because a lot of countries also have this like you have to be at least one person of the writers has to be 
from this country or they have uh, things like that. But um, yeah, if you want to go win, if you want to have a, uh, a good outcome, then uh, yeah, they should uh, go abroad and just look for the best song. So that's what it's about. If you want to win, get a Swede to write your song. <laughs> No, 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 no. You know people hate the Swedes. <laughs> They're like, not Swedish people. No, they think they are the best. No, no, no. We do, we do not think it. <laughs> Many do think it. Maybe not the best, but definitely up there. The Swedes write good music. It's, uh, it's a fact. Now, Linnea, last question. Yes. Well, last main question. Maybe we'll end up down some sort of avenue talking about something else. But the last main question I have is about a change you would like to make to Eurovision. If you could change something about the Eurovision Song Contest, what mm. would it be? Oh, Jesus Christ, on a motorbike. <laughs> um, maybe, you know, in Sweden, we can use uh, the backing vocals on track because uh, that is such a, like, the, the artist can lean back on that, you know? Uh, and uh, if you could have more than six people, maybe if you could have eight people, then it would be better. The, the, the backing vocals would be better, I think. Or if it was okay to use uh, backing vocals on track, I because... think that would make the songs better. Because, I mean, watching any like live show a day nowadays, you don't have live. I think it's great if you do have live uh, vocalists, of course, but... Um, it's 2023 we gotta be like it's gotta be the best because we've seen haven't we at eurovision 2021 they allowed some vocals on on the backing track and it sort of changed the dynamic of, of eurovision a little bit more so is it to do yeah. with you know you mentioned maybe having more people on stage you know maybe they would say logistically that makes things more difficult but do you think that would add to more of the show if you could have more people on stage and you could actually do more with the visual Absolutely, and if it would be up to anyone, if you want to stand alone and do your like, don't have not have any any backing vocals at all, fine. If you want to have a, a kids choir, bring them in. I mean, absolutely. What's what's what's, what's the harm? I, I don't really get the point, actually. Nice and straightforward. Then you just want you just want more yeah. people on the stage. Just make it look more and... people, more love, more everything. Just bring it all in. Yeah. One last one, looking ahead to Eurovision and Melody Festival and next year. It's going to be a huge year for yeah. Sweden. Uh, we've just heard recently that uh, Krista Bjorkman is back. He's going to be one of the producers for, for Eurovision in Malmö. He can't keep his hands off. No. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that for, for fans at home? It, it's, it's going to be a huge moment for him to be producing Eurovision again. You know him well. You've worked with him a lot. Mm. Uh, he transformed Melfest and to have him back at Eurovision is, is good news? Yeah, it's uh, super good news um, for Eurovision. He is just the king king of everything. He, he knows he knows a good TV show. So uh, that's really very warm welcomed <laughs> from everyone, I think. He's going to do an amazing job. And in terms of you for 2024, you're not going to tell me. It's got to be very secret. You've been working hard this year. Surely yeah. you've submitted some songs for, for Melody Festival and fingers tightly Maybe. crossed. <laughs> fingers tightly crossed to have a few songs in the competition next year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. 
I gotta have some uh, Christmas gifts for my kids next next year. So yes, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, I hope I have a few songs maybe, because uh, I just want to be in in that community again. I love it, and um, maybe a song or two for another country. Maybe I don't know. Would be nice. We'll see. It's up to the gods, I guess. We'll see. We'll come back to this conversation. And the juries. <laughs> and the juries and everyone. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of hurdles to get across, isn't there? A lot of politics, politics and BS and yeah. Well, we'll come back to this conversation in about six months time when all the songs are out there and we'll see how many songs yeah. you've got in Melfest and how many songs <gasps> are you getting you. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> Fingers tightly crossed. Oh, Linnea Deb, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you for stopping so by for a chat. Thank you mm. so much. Thank you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, then we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
This is the Eurotrip podcast, the contest and me from us here at the Eurotrip. Uh, the sixth episode of the series, James, six guests we've spoken to so far, if you include me and you as well, that we did at the start of the series. But Leneda is right up there with one of the best that we've had so far on the series because some brilliant stories in there. Some of my favourites, what have we got? Her favourite year, 2014, talking about Conchita and the impact that Conchita made on the Eurovision Song Contest. Her favourite song, of course, Arcade. She really does love that song. She was talking about that in glowing terms, wasn't she? And also, the Eurovision diva herself, or the original Eurovision diva, Carola, or Carola. I'm never sure how we pronounce her name, but I'm going to go with Carola. Okay, I'll go with Carola then. Yeah, it's just fascinating. I think I mentioned this, didn't I? We, we, we always get the idea of seeing her on TV thinking, I bet she is a bit of a diva. Do you remember she gave the point up for Sweden in, um, uh, was it Turin or Rotterdam? Oh, you've made a bring for your own bat now, haven't you? You can't remember which year it was. It was one of them. Ah, man. I'm going to say Rotterdam. And she was sort of, be- her hair was still being fixed by by somebody on the production team as the camera went to it to deliver the points. And you could tell, she's clearly a, a Eurovision diva, but we love her for it. Uh, but yeah, 20, really, 20, 20, 2021. 2021. It was Rotterdam. Okay. Uh, okay. I tossed a coin. I went for the right one. But yeah, lovely to hear about that. And also, I thought it was really, really good to hear a bit more about her thoughts on us getting a lot of the same songwriters in in, in Melfest. You know, we um, we see Linnea quite a lot. We see her ex-husband, as you mentioned, Joy, uh, Jimmy Joger, Jimmy Jansson, uh, Dino Medanhodzic has been a, a familiar name in recent years. So it was good to put that question to her. Basically, she says, you know, a lot of them work very hard. Clearly, there's probably a lot of other songwriters who work very hard in Sweden, but they bring a lot of quality. And I remember we chatted to um, Gustav Darlander earlier this year on an episode of Melfest Monday. I don't know if you remember this, Rob, and we were chatting to him about the, the, the songwriters we see quite often. And we were talking about Jimmy Joker, who had six songs in the final, and he listed them off. And when you hear them, he gets to the end and says, you know, it's diverse. And that's the thing. When you get these songwriters who come in, they're not just writing the same songs and they don't just sound the same. They are very diverse in genre. So it isn't a problem if the songs sound good. I think that's I think that's the point to be made. I, I know exactly what you're trying to say, yeah. Gustav Darlander, of course, by the way, for those of you that don't know, he's the facts and stats man at SVC, the Swedish broadcaster, on all things Melody Festival, and so he does know what he's talking about. Uh, James, can I also say one of my favourite things that you did was getting into a bit of family politics with Linnea. Uh, well done for <laughs> asking the question, what's it like to work with your ex-husband and your partner? Which was, uh, which was a question I wasn't sure would come up. Uh, and also, uh, well done to Linnea for using my favourite phrase of any guest we've ever had on the podcast, Jesus Christ on a motorbike. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that pleased you anyway. She was great, though, wasn't she? Linnea is, is a great guest. We had her on the podcast about uh, two and a half years ago. And it was great to chat to her then. It's great to chat to her now. And perhaps we will chat to her again in the future. Because another thing that happened last week was the uh, the, the deadline to submit songs uh, to Melody Festival. And, and I can imagine she submitted a few songs into Melfest for next year. And if they get chosen, we'd love to chat to her again. Yeah, just a few songs, I reckon, from uh, from Linnea and uh, and her team. Absolutely. So we look forward to hearing them, of course, and see how many of them actually make it through to the final competition. But, James, that is, as I've already said, our sixth guest, our sixth episode on this series of The Contest and Me. So this series is hurtling to a conclusion. And I think, and I think this is fair enough, 
because, of course, the contest is in Malmo next year. I think we're going to complete a Swedish hat trick on the podcast next week. I won't say anything else other than to say they aren't a songwriter. So we've just heard from two songwriters with Anders Retov and Linnea Deb. Not a songwriter, but probably somebody from Sweden and someone with a fascinating history in the Eurovision Song Contest on the way next week. Yes, so until then, until we bring you that next episode, don't forget you can keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all the other things. Uh, you can email us as well, hello at eurotrippodcast.com and you can head over to eurotrippodcast.com to read all of our exclusive stories of which you'll be able to read a couple uh, from today's episode with Linnea. As well, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.